Ancient Radio begins in three, two, one. Every once in a while, we got to religious people. There are 720 churches in Charlotte. I'm sure we can find one where you can stuff your face. Shut up. Quit pointing out the problem. Men will be proud, arrogant, abusive. You watch some of today's rock star pastors and you will see every characteristic Paul listed played out in vivid detail on the church stage. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. If you're a young woman contemplating divorce, I hope you feel like Tammy Wynette. Our little boy is four years old. This is Wretched Radio. I did it, Jimmy! So we spell (laughs) out the words we don't D-I-V-O-R-C-E to understand This is from the 60s. T-O-Y or maybe S-U-R What is she singing? There's too much There's too much spelling going on. Oh, I see. She spelled out the word toy. (laughs) So you don't the, the words you don't say in front of your kids, you just spell them out. When they're I young. see. It was yeah. so, okay, I had to look up the lyrics. I thought she said T-O-R. Now that, <laughs> no. what is, what is, what's a tour? And then the <laughs> S-U-R. Well, that's apparently short for surprise. C-R-I-S-E. But the words we're hiding from him now tear the heart right out of me. And the chorus, please. you to heed the advice of Tammy Wynette and don't go through with that D-I-V-O-R-C-E. If you haven't heard the statistic, more young women are initiating divorce than young men. They are rushing headlong toward divorce. And these days, I mean, in a society that doesn't esteem marriage, that makes it super easy to get out of it. More young people, and these days more girls, are wanting divorce than the boys. Lou Priolo, who is going to be the new host of our new TV series, Transform Couples. It is going to be so good. I saw a snippet of it again a few days ago. He is so good. He is so just mm, helpful. And he wrote a booklet called D-I-V-O-R-C-E. Before you say, I don't. If you are contemplating divorce, let these words sink in and let me encourage you to find the thrust of his message, perhaps without me saying it, but I probably will leak it out anyway. Jimmy, you're going to have to guess what the what the thrust of Lou Priolo's argument is to encourage young people. Don't get one. Okay. now, obviously, we know there's biblical grounds for divorce. It can be abandonment. It can be infidelity. We know that. 
But all too often these days, young professing Christians are wanting to say, I don't, and they have no biblical grounds. This is from Lou Priolo. Marriage is a very difficult thing to get out of without sinning. And the fact is, sin has its consequence. Misery. And he cites Galatians 6. This is the reaping and sowing principle. If, you are, if you're making a decision to do something that is against the will of God by having an unbiblical divorce, you're going to reap the whirlwind. Jimmy, can you guess already where he's going with this? Yes, maybe. Scaring people. Right. And that ain't a bad thing. Perhaps you're not contemplating divorce and you wonder, well, what in the world might this have to do with me? Chances are pretty fair. You're going to talk to somebody who's considering it. And maybe just maybe you need to wield the weapon that Lou Priolo brings out of the sheath. And that is the word of God to scare people. Getting an unbiblical divorce, your situation as difficult as you perceive it to be. In fact, as difficult as it might really be, it ain't nothing compared to the consequences of doing something willfully against God's laws. It's going to hurt. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, this he will reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So here's the purpose of this D-I-V-O-R-C-E booklet from Lou Priolo. First, to help inform you of the misery associated with initiating an unbiblical divorce. Second, to persuade you to not lose heart. There's hope. I listened to a Lou Priolo, I don't think it was a sermon, it was more like a lecture at a biblical counseling conference talking about the hundreds of people that he's counseled. And he said each of them asked the same question, are we the worst? And his answer, with the exception, I guess, of one is no. Well, I've definitely heard of worse circumstances. You, yours is hard, but it can be a lot harder, and I've seen it. And those, res those marriages have been saved, but... It doesn't happen by itself. If you are on the brink of divorce, here's, here is the commitment that you must make. I am not going to live for the flesh. I am going to live for the Lord. And I am going to strive to do everything that he commands me to do in this marriage, even though this individual underneath my roof disgusts me at the moment. And if you do that, and if your spouse does that, it can be brought back from the brink, from Lou Priolo. In all my years of counseling, I do not recall even one Christian who has not suffered tremendously for making the decision you are contemplating. He knows what he's talking about. He has counseled hundreds, if not thousands of people. Most of them have come back in one way or another and acknowledged that the suffering they experienced was much greater than they had initially thought it would be. More significantly, they invariably told me that if they had to do it all over again, they wouldn't. Do not rush to divorce. You are going to pay a lifelong price for it. And incidentally, I recognize out of the tens and tens of people listening to this year wretched radio program, there could be somebody who has had a divorce, biblical or otherwise. I'm, I'm not trying to fire arrow. I'm not trying to fire arrowy darts, fire, fiery, 
I'm not trying to air, I'm not trying to shoot fiery darts. No, arrows at you. It's what I'm trying to do. Maybe I should just let Tammy why not do the work. <laughs> Watch him smile. Oh, see, it's the kids that are involved. That's what makes it really hard. Jimmy? Yes? What did she just spell? I don't know. What, uh, I don't either. <laughs> Our divorce becomes final today. Me and little George, uh, watch him smile. He thinks it's Christmas on his fifth birthday. <laughs> Here it is. You want a second try at this? C-U-S-T-O-D-Y. Custody. There it is. Spells fun or play. I spell out all the hurting words and turn my head when I speak because I can't spell away this hurt Mm. that's dripping down my cheek. She's feeling it, and she hasn't even signed the papers yet. They said to Jesus... Why then did Moses command to give her a certificate of divorce and send her away? He said, because of your hardness of heart, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it has not been this way. When a Christian initiates an unbiblical divorce, it always, get ready, here's the Lupriolo diagnosis. This is why it's happening to to you. If you are thinking about an unbiblical divorce or you actually went through with one, Here's the reason. It's always because you've hardened your heart against God. That's as simple as that. Because of your hardness of heart, Jesus said, Moses permitted you to divorce. It is because we've let our hearts grow hard. Next, there is the fact that you will bring shame to the name of Christ by your divorce. Rather than glorifying God by learning how to suffer for righteousness, let alone learning how to turn your difficult marriage around, you'll do exactly the opposite, and you'll bring reproach to his name. That is exactly what Nathan the prophet said to David. Your divorce will be a public testimony to the fact that Jesus Christ and the word of God do not have what it takes to help people solve their problems without sinning. Got to tell you, this book isn't lacking some zip, is it? You will be subject to God's discipline. For the disobedient Christian, discipline is certain. Please don't think you're going to be the exception if you're contemplating divorce. Unbiblically, you will not be the exception. You can't be. You can't be. Because God promises that if you sow to the wind, you're going to reap the whirlwind. You shouldn't expect God to obey or to bless, rather, your disobedience by removing all the natural and supernatural consequences of your sin. It doesn't matter how miserable you think you are in your circumstances. If you pursue this divorce in the long run, you'll be even more miserable than Tammy Wynette. This is Wretched Radio. Like 
The Pointer Sisters. I am so excited and I just can't hide it. The Masters Academy International is embarking on a bold new program to distribute Bibles internationally. There are oh so many wretched people who love to give to ministries who are giving out Bibles and the Masters Academy International is going to start doing just that in the Philippines, but they don't want to give out just any Bible to just anybody. They're going to give away John MacArthur Study Bibles to Christians who cannot afford them in a local Bible teaching church. Can you imagine the impact? How much do you love your MacArthur Study Bible? For $25, you could put a Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines. I'll do the math. It's not tricky. Four Bibles, $100. Maybe you could commit to giving a Bible a month to a believer in the Philippines. Please visit wretched.org slash Bible, wretched.org slash Bible to join the Master's Academy International. Thank you for joining us at Wretched Radio today. Did you know there is one simple, convenient location where we've compiled all things wretched? I'm talking about our full daily 60-minute radio programs, our full daily 30-minute TV episodes, information about our other productions like Road Trip to Truth and Transformed, and a store that contains a ton of amazing resources like Jesus Unmasked, the Drive-By series. It can all be found at wretched.org. And hey, while you're there, I would urge you to visit our donate page. There you'll find information on a lot of the questions you might have on becoming a Wretched Gospel Partner. Now, if you're already a Wretched Gospel Partner, you know we humbly thank you for your efforts in helping us reach millions with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're not already a Wretched Gospel Partner, talk to your spouse and then prayerfully consider partnering with us. Wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. 200. That's right. 200 Tomorrow Clubs are now up and running again in Ukraine. That means kids are hearing the gospel. They're getting saved. Their parents are getting saved. The church is getting strengthened. Not only are the Tomorrow Clubs busy preaching the gospel, they're also very busy helping people. This is our buddy Max in Ukraine. We have created the Ukraine Support Fund. Thanks to our partners, Tomorrow Clubs began immediate assistance to the network of the local churches it became a safe place for thousands of refugees fleeing their devastated homes providing food providing clothing potable water a safe place communication would you please consider becoming a ministry partner of the amazing ministry called tomorrow clubs you can learn how you could participate in the spreading of the gospel in eastern europe at tomorrowclubs.org wretched Books of the Bible. Second Samuel tells about King David's reign over Israel. Even though David was a man after God's heart, he still gave in to temptation and suffered bitter consequences. Yet David repented of his sin and was forgiven by God. Remember, there is only one perfect and faultless king, Jesus Christ. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Encouragement and threats. So you don't do it. This is Wretched Radio. Divorce rates, they are up in the Christian church. That ought not to be. We should be the till death do us part people. And yet so many young people, because our culture mocks marriage, 
They entered into this estate for whatever dreamy reason. It's turned into a nightmare. And because of no-fault divorce, they want O-U-T. And that happens with a D-I-V-O-R-C-E. And Lou Priolo, a biblical counselor who's counseled hundreds of people whose marriages were on the brink and they were pulled back. And one of the ways that that happened is Lou Priolo would use, yes, the threatenings of God's word. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. That would be your Hebrews 12, 6, Rexella. In other words, if you pursue an unbiblical divorce, you're going to get scourged. You will feel it. And Lupriolo's contention is as bad as it currently is, it will only get worse if it's unbiblical. Now, please note. There are, of course, some things that need to be done. I'm not talking about a group of people who are being abused or hurt. You need to get to a safe place. You need to call the police. You need to call your pastor, your elders, your deacons. You need to be safe. But I'm not talking about that group of people per se. I'm talking about people who are just struggling and they just don't want to take it anymore. They're like Twisted Sister. They just don't want to be in that estate. And Lupriolo threatens those people with those considerations. You're going to feel it. It's going to be bad. He writes in his book, Divorce, there are many consequences. Here's number four. The next consequence worth considering is that you will multiply your misery by the guilt and bitterness you will inevitably experience. You say, I can't imagine. I just want to be out of this. I want to be free. I don't, I just, I just want to be happy. And Lupriolo was saying, you're not going to be, you are going to escape one misery for a worse misery, living day in and day out with guilt over sin that has not been properly confessed and forsaken, expends a certain amount of emotional energy. It saps your strength and causes you to become emotionally exhausted. Consider Psalm 32. My bones ached when I didn't confess my sin. Lupriolo using those words to say, that's going to be you. Bitterness is the result of an unwillingness to properly forgive those who have sinned against you. It requires emotional energy to maintain such a grudge. Resentment, like guilt, will deplete your energy if allowed to reside in your heart too long. If you're thinking about an unbiblical divorce, Get ready for a root of bitterness. And I got to tell you, that is one of the nastiest things to extract from our hearts. That you have become sour and angry and bitter, potentially mean, unloving, unforgiving. And you can't even imagine what life used to be like before that black cloud was hanging over your head. You may also find your bitterness increasing as you try to assuage your guilt by constantly reminding yourself of how bad your spouse was. Number five, the last consequence, you will cause much hurt and potential harm to others. The person you're thinking of abandoning will be wounded in many ways, exposed to an entirely new level of fear, anger, bitterness, loneliness, anxiety, depression, and sorrow. And you will be largely responsible for your spouse's additional misery. Now, there's a pretty good chance you're saying, good, good, she should suffer. That's true. Hold the phone. 
looks like it's a little too late. You've already got a heart of bitterness. That is why Lupriolo in this book threatens Danger Will Robinson. Don't write down that number from that billboard. What about your if you got kids? It's even worse for them. Here's a quote from a dead guy, Richard Baxter. Remember still that you are both diseased persons full of infirmities and therefore expect the fruit of those infirmities in each other. And make not a strange matter of it, as if you had never known it before. How insightful and how honest is that? Dude's been dead for 300 and some years. And he knew that when two sinners say, I do, look out. Why were you surprised? Maybe you just didn't listen. And if, by the way, if you're not married, please listen to this. You're going to marry that dumpling, that knight in shining armor. They're going to turn into a nightmare. And so are you. Because that's what happens when you put two self-styled egos under one roof. You are going to get yourself fireworks. Oh, no, I adore her. Mm -hmm, I know you do, and that's a fine thing. But if you don't recognize she sins and she's going to sin and she's going to hurt you, you are going to want a D-I-V-O-R-C-E. You think, not my man, he's never exhibited anything like that. Well, that's because dating is a play. It is a very produced show. And by the way, you're one of the lead actors. We pretend to be something that we aren't always. And marriage brings the sin out of us. That's the dynamic that can cause you to either grow in holiness or seek a divorce. Back to Richard Baxter. If you had married one that is lame, would you be angry at her for halting or limping? Or if you had married one that had a putrid ulcer, would you fall out with her because it stinketh? Did you not know beforehand that you married a person of such weakness as would wield you some manner of daily trial and offense? If you could not bear this, you should not have married her. If you resolved that you could bear it, then you are obligated to bear it now. Resolve, therefore, to bear with one another as, resem as remembering that you took one another as sinful, frail, imperfect persons, not as angels or as blameless and perfect. If you're thinking about getting married, heed those words. If you don't think that you can stand living with another sinner who doesn't do everything your way, who, who doesn't organize his or her life the way that works with your schedule, those things agitate you now. Oh, wait till you're married. They're going to drive you bonkers, and you're going to want a divorce, and then your life is going to spiral out of control, because that's what happens with unbiblical divorces. Back to the booklet. Suffice it to say that divorce is the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> it will continue to bring misery both to you and to those who profess to love for years and perhaps generations to come. You're going to be impacting your kids' kids. And their kids, too. Lupriolo, the truth is, you are more likely to go crazy by stepping out of God's revealed will than you are by obeying his word and suffering for the sake of righteousness. Don't know if you recall this. Had dinner with Lupriolo and his very... 
she's maybe just a little too nice for me. <laughs> it's just one of those sweet ones. And it's like, how can you be so dear all the time? And she said that in their counseling, they're noticing that a lot of young people don't have a theology of suffering. And that's what Lou is saying. You need to be prepared to suffer for righteousness sake. Removing yourself from the place where the word of God says you belong is a serious thing. Like a bird that wanders from her nest, so is a man who wanders from his home. And then Lou gets tough. Friel, I thought he already was. It is your self-centeredness and discontentment that is tempting you to forsake your spouse. Hurt and separate yourself from family. Seek your own desire and look for greater pastures elsewhere. That's some pretty tough talk. But that's biblical talk. And that threatening, that warning, it should land hard. The other point of the booklet, if you recall, was to bring hope. When you are on the brink, you can't even imagine it not being this way. You can't imagine regaining the ground that has been lost, that potentially even crumbled right underneath your feet. But there's hope. There is hope. And you say, all right, I get it. We both commit to biblical principles, and that can rescue a marriage. Yep, that is correct. But what if the other party isn't willing? That means you need to do it by yourself. That means you need to apply God's principles for marriage and for holiness and for your life in order to become more sanctified in the situation that you are currently in. We're obligated. We're committed to take an oath before God and witnesses and say, till death do us part, God doesn't play with covenant breaking. You will feel the sting of your sinful decision. If you're contemplating divorce, find a good biblical counselor, find your pastor, your elders, and be prepared to suffer for righteousness' sake, and you will be blessed. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. If you remember, last week we told you about the U.S. State Department granting over $20,000 to Ecuador to import drag shows to the country. And over the weekend, State Department officials decided to defend themselves and double down on spending 20000 taxpayer dollars to fund drag shows in Ecuador. A spokesman for the State Department told Fox News Digital, quote, of the number of programs sponsored by American tax dollars, one aims to use the arts to raise awareness about diversity and inclusion, which gives LGBTQ people an outlet to express themselves freely and safely. Okay, express yourselves freely and safely in Ecuador if that's what you choose, but I don't think American taxpayers should have to fund it. And now, let's take a listen to some recent sound bites from our nation's leaders. Happy birthday, great president. Uh, we know uh, your mom's always with you. So Kamala Harris is the real president, according to our sitting president. In the last few weeks, the Republicans have placed unlimited money into these races with unlimited fact. 
Yeah, Nancy Pelosi slipped up there on an NBC appearance and said that Republicans operate with unlimited facts. I'm not so sure about unlimited facts, but there's certainly a substantial amount more than the left. The program we allow people, the PPP program, to get money back if their business were in trouble. Guess who's going to grow the economy more? An educated public or those guys? Um, yeah, an educated public. Gotta have somewhere to work, Mr. President. Without jobs being provided, there's really no need for fancy educations. Chick-fil-A, according to a new study by CashNet USA, had the top average rating in 34 U.S. states in 27 of the largest cities, surpassing all other fast food chains. Chick-fil-A was also ranked as the top chicken joint in 46 states. Not too shabby for a place that's closed on Sundays, right? Two evangelists in eastern Uganda were beaten and slashed with knives after leading several Muslims to Christ earlier this month. Fortunately, the men survived the attack and one said, quote, we were beaten because of taking the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to the purely Muslim communities. The two men were able to identify some of their attackers and reported the assault to local authorities. And the attack, unfortunately, is just the latest of instances of persecution of Christians in Uganda, a country that has a constitution that provides for religious freedom, including the right to propagate one's faith and convert from one faith to another. But unfortunately, it seems that a blind eye has turned to Christian persecution. As we tell you so frequently here at Wretched, please make sure that you continue to pray for all of our brothers and sisters abroad. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Titles of Christ In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who He is and what He has done. Jesus is called the Advocate. When we as God's redeemed people sin, Jesus is our Advocate before the Father. It is on the basis of Christ's righteousness that we are saved, not our own works. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Or as my daughter used to say, Wisconsin. This is Wretched Radio. There's an amazing phenomenon that takes place when you move out of your region. When we lived in Minnesota, if you're from Wisconsin, you're the arch enemy. Same thing if you're from Iowa or Illinois, and certainly Nebraska. You were you were considered the enemy. Then you move outside of your territory, and all of a sudden you meet somebody who's from one of those rivalry states. Dude, how are the Badgers doing this year, man? Ran into a guy at the deli on Saturday morning, because that's when you should be going to a deli, and he had an N. It was, it was a, the Nebraska shirt that was on. See, now, if I lived still in Minnesota... I would say that stands for knowledge, doesn't it? But that's not what I said. I went up to him and I went, dude, Nebraska, are they playing today? All excited about it. That's what happens when you move to a new territory. Although maybe can't practice what I just preached in listening to this. 
<laughs> you don't have to say it. Pastrix <laughs> of a Methodist church in Green Bay. Apparently the pack was overseas and they were playing somebody. So the time when it was going to air was Sunday morning. So what's a good Methodist church to do on a Sunday morning when the Packers are playing? Duh. Combine the football game with your church service. No, not kidding. It made the news. We will do five or six minutes of worship until kickoff, and then we'll do different components of worship every two minutes through the first half. Bingo! You got yourself a Sunday morning service program right there. You watch 20 minutes of football, do two minutes of whatever, and then get back to the football game. Cool. It's Packer Church. We have all kinds of different snacks. In fact, snacks coming from... Did you catch that accent? Uh, uh, I wouldn't have caught it when I lived in Minnesota. Snacks. Snack, Did yeah. you hear snacks? Uh-huh. We have all kinds of different snacks. In fact, snacks coming from all of the different cities. So from London, we're going to have tea and scones and some other traditional English snacks. Wow. From New York, we so have spiritual. big apples. Bagels and cream cheese. And from Wisconsin, we're going to have a huge cheese platter and Kringle. (laughs) Okay, if you're from Wisconsin, I'm sorry. I know it's not fun to hear people make fun of your accent because I have one, too. And Jimmy, you certainly have an accent. I do not. I talk. I talk already. The way that it's supposed to be done. That's right. (laughs) Exactly. But it's amazing. I never noticed because I'm sure that I can. I, I I must have spoken like that. Maybe I still do. Do I on occasion? Oh, yeah. Really? <laughs> yes, you do. Like what? It, it's OK. It's OK. Well, you don't have to console me. Now I know you're mocking me because you're trying to make me feel better about it. If you're from Wisconsin, I know you love the Packers. But Packer Church? Our hope is this reminds people that God is present in every part of our lives. That is one of the lamest justifications (laughs) for combining a worldly activity with something sacred. We can worship and watch the Packer game. We can live with God's presence with us in every part of our lives. Yeah, but that has nothing to do with church. Church is the assembling of the saints for the purpose of hearing from God and returning that knowledge back to him in the form of praises, where we get to pray corporately together. I sure hope your church has corporate prayers. I sure hope your church has taken some time to consider liturgical elements. Not that you may be a little bit, no, with the liturgy business. Well, every church has a liturgy. It's either a good one or a bad one. And I grant you, It can become formulaic if it is mere repetition. I get that. But our ancestors weren't dum-dums. They considered what are the elements that God wants to regulate in worship. And we see that throughout the Bible. He wants the word read. He wants the word preached. He wants communion and baptisms. He wants intercession. These are the things that God wants us to do. And if your church has never considered these elements, then you're probably not doing church the way that God wants you to do it because he's the one who gets to write the rules. He determines this is the stuff I want. And if he wanted scones and bagels with a television, a big flat screen of the Packers playing, he would have said so, but he didn't. And if your church has never at least considered liturgical elements. Really, your worship 
service is now what it could be because the more elements that God prescribes for the church on Sunday morning, the better it's going to be for you, for everybody involved, because it's God who has determined it. So do you have intercessory prayer? Do you pray for the sick members of your church? Are you praying for missionaries? Are you praying for politicians? Are you praying for the people sitting there who aren't saved? If not, you're missing a big element that God would regulate inside of your church. Jimmy, did that? Was it a good worship service or not? What what worship service? This one? Yeah, this one. No. Let me help you. Did the pack win or didn't they? Oh, I, I don't even Because that's what makes it a great service. Yeah, See, what a, what a bomb. Yeah, I don't think they did. I think they lost. <laughs> very bad church service. <laughs> very, very bad. Uh, let's keep going to church, shall we? Oh, cool. There's a $100 million ad campaign to fix Jesus' image because his followers remain a problem. I just love it when liberals do that, <laughs> claiming to be so nice. They point to those people who are trying to speak biblically to a dark world, and they say that we're mean. Now, sometimes we can be. We repent of that. But this is a $100 million ad campaign to fix Jesus' image. This is a cross-cultural advertising agency based in Dallas. And this is a part of the He Gets Us campaign. Have you seen any ads for it? They're spending $100 million. What is it all about? It's one of those things. <laughs> what, do you go, what do you call a ministry that has ad campaigns to try to improve the image of Jesus? Whatever that type of organization is called. You've got a group of people who are trying to let the world know that Jesus understands. Now, here's the trick. He does. He does understand. And you perhaps have thought, well, maybe this is a good organization. Well, the problem is they never really get to the guts of the Christian message that Jesus Christ died for sinners. I've been to their website. I can't find it. I looked. If it's there, you can point it out to me. Happy to retract that. Very happy to retract that. But this is an effort to let people know Jesus is a homeboy. Jesus is just all right with me. And finally, Jesus is a friend of mine. And that's all they want to teach you. You're welcome for that. I hope it doesn't get stuck in your head all day. Because <laughs> it most certainly could. Jimmy, do you remember who sang that song, by the way? Jesus is a friend of mine? Yeah. <sighs> Sunseed. No, I didn't even know that. Yeah, it's called Sunseed. Wow. Jesus is a friend of mine. That's what this effort is. It's to let people know that Jesus, he kind of gets you. Don't worry about stuff. He understands you. So should we be driving people to this website? No, because I don't think they ultimately give people what they actually need, and that is biblical truth. Yes, it is right, and it is good to teach that Jesus gets us, but if we don't ever reveal how and that he gets all of us, Not just the hurts and the boo-boos, but the sins, the offenses, the crimes that we commit against God. They never get to that Jesus getting us because it seems that they're just not all that excited about actually preaching the gospel. They just want people to know that. 
Yeah, baby. And Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. I have a friend in Jesus. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jimmy, do you do you think anybody is still listening to this program? <laughs> Probably not. Jesus is a friend of mine. He taught me how to live my life as it should be. He taught me how to turn my cheek when people laugh at me. I've had friends before, and I can tell you that. He's one who will never leave you flat. Dun, 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 dun. Do they ever get the gospel in this song? I kind of doubt it. Sort of like Packer Church and sort of like he gets me. <laughs> if nothing else, you have been blessed today. You say, what blessing have I received? Well, I have given you an earworm that's going to be hard to shake. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend. church. This is Very Wretched Radio. He taught me how to pray and how to save my soul. He taught me how to praise my God and still play rock and roll. The music may sound different, but the message is the same. Confession, normally numbers aren't my favorite subject, but these numbers make me happy. MediShare is affordable biblical health sharing with twice the satisfaction rate of MediShare members versus traditional health insurance plans. The average family saves $500 per month. Over $3 billion worth of medical bills have been shared among MediShare members, which, by the way, MediShare has been around for a quarter of a century. Don't forget, telehealth is available at MediShare, and it will take you two minutes to receive a quote to see what you and your family could be saving every single month with MediShare. Affordable biblical health sharing. Please spend a very worthwhile two minutes at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. You know, there are a ton of things people partner in. Some have business partners, some have workout partners. We all need accountability partners. Then you have partners in crime, not something I recommend, or marriage partners, something I do recommend. And then, of course, we can't forget about the wretched gospel partner. Our gospel partners, that would be many of you, provide us with the ability to do what we're able to do. You faithfully helped us reach millions of people all over the world with resources like Wretched Radio and TV, Road Trip to Truth, Transformed, Breaking Bread, Wretched Worldview, The Drive-By Series. I can keep going, but we'd be here far too long. Plus, I think you already get the point. Without you, there is no wretched. So we humbly thank you for your support. If you're not already an ongoing Wretched Gospel partner, would you prayerfully consider becoming one? Just hit up wretched.org slash donate to find answers to many other questions you may have. That's wretched.org slash donate. Be careful. Be very, very careful, my cold-hearted conservative friend, because this just might melt your heart if you are a supporter of preborn.org slash wretched, providing ultrasounds, ultrasound machines, and sonograms. Careful, this might just melt your heart. That sonogram changed my life. I went from just Candace to mom. 
Thank you to everybody that has given these gifts. You guys are giving more than money. You guys are giving love. You're giving love when you support preborn because a mommy sees a baby in the womb courtesy of an ultrasound machine and 80% of the time keeps the baby. $28 in ultrasound or perhaps you might be of the means to provide an actual ultrasound machine if you can. Oh, they need them and they'll put them to work and it'll show some love. Preborn.org slash Wretched. Attributes of God. Do you think God explodes with anger when you sin? Remember the word impassibility. It means that God is without passion. His affections, such as wrath, anger, and love, are always foreknown, voluntary, and controlled. And they are always consistent with God's unchanging nature. And His wrath has been settled on the cross. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. No, I'm not going to play Jesus is a friend of mine again. Instead, Jesus is my superhero. That's enough of that. This is Wretched Radio. Don't know if you listen to the Dennis Prager. He is, I think, a super fine political talk show host. As far as being a theologian, not so much. I really like Dennis Prager personally, and I do like to listen to him because he's captivating and he's also insightful and smart very regularly. However, I have to confess, every single time I've heard him touch the Bible, it wasn't right. And I wouldn't expect him to get it right because he doesn't have Jesus in view. The Old Testament without Jesus or an expectation of a Messiah is is a book that will inevitably lead you to the place where Dennis goes, and that is to the realm of, I'm going to do this myself. Dennis has admitted, I want to work my way there. You Christians, you do your grace thing. I prefer works. Whoa. Furthermore, when he's talked about, typically he spends time in the Law of Moses He teaches them as if they're achievable, fulfillable, and that they will ultimately earn you right standing with God. In other words, he doesn't understand that the law kills. The law silences the mouth. The law is a schoolmaster that we had not known sin, but by the law. Dennis thinks, yeah, I got this. I'm going to keep these laws. And I will, if there is a heaven, I'm going because I've earned it. And I know he knows the gospel. He does. He definitely knows the gospel. But recently, writing for Town Hall, I'm really surprised at this one from Dennis. I, I would think that just intuitively he would get this. But instead, he takes what I think is a really clear Bible verse, and he comes up with a surprising interpretation. The headline reads, why does the Bible say neither sex may wear the clothing of the other sex? Well, fair enough. He is, of course, quoting Deuteronomy 22.5. Jimmy, I'm going to read the Bible verse, and I want you to listen. Fowey, fowey, careful we. Okay. Is there an exception in this verse? Any sort of caveat, any sort of, you know, Romans 13 sort of escape 
from what seems to be a pretty clear prohibition. Okay. Here it is. A woman must not put on man's apparel, nor shall a man wear woman's clothing. For whoever does these things is abhorrent to the Lord your God. Do you hear an exception in there? No, I did not. It just says, don't wear the opposite gender's clothes. Right. Period. Dennis, as he is inclined to do, sometimes I get, I'm not captivated by it, but I'm always rather astounded by what really smart Jewish rabbis can do with the Bible. They find things, they import things that's like, oh, that's really clever. It's totally wrong. But that's really brilliantly clever. Read Maimonides. That's a clever way to do it. That isn't right, but that's a clever way to do it. Dennis Prager starts out strong. The Torah is rooted in distinctions. God likes to show this and that, a yin and a yang. God and man, God and nature, man and animal, good and evil, life, death, parent, Child, holy, profane, male, and female. So far, so good, and a really good observation that we do see opposites loaded in the Bible. And this is the way that God operates the place. If you follow his precepts, overall, things are going to go a lot better. When you abandon these distinctions, you're in big trouble, which, of course, then leads him to the trans issue. Here's what he had to say. You've got to listen carefully to this because it's a little bit on the tricky side. When a man who looks like a man and has a male name, etc., publicly dresses as a woman or a woman who looks like a woman, has a female name, etc., publicly dresses as a man, one of the most basic of God's distinctions is blurred. Okay. Uh, yeah, okay, but I wonder why he defined it somewhat narrowly. He continues, listen carefully. When a man who acts like a man has a male name, dresses like a woman, well, then the distinctions are blurred. The sex distinction of the human being is so central to God's plan that it is declared at the beginning of creation in Genesis 1. God created them in his image, and in his image God created male and female. He created them. That would be your Genesis 1.27. So far, so good. But then, uh, here's what he says. The Torah is not necessarily addressing individuals who identify as, live as, dress as, take the name of, and appear to others as a member of the opposite sex to which they were born. Because such an individual is not publicly blurring the distinction between male and female. Just to give you a moment, we'll play a musical interlude to let you noodle that through. Have you figured it out yet? I mean, besides that, that recording is horrible. Have you figured out what Dennis is trying to say? Here's how I distill it down. If a fellow for it, in fact, this is even the example that he gives. Jimmy, yes. let's just say you desire today to put on a dress <laughs> and go out in public okay, without shaving. 
<laughs> then you're sinning because okay. clearly you're a man. But if you shaved, maybe did your eyebrows, put on some pretty perfume and went out with uh, uh, Jane instead of Jim, Janie oh. instead of Jimmy, then you're not breaking Deuteronomy 22. Uh, yeah, that's not right. Uh, uh, where is that in the text? I wish he had opened that up in this article because I don't know how he arrived at that conclusion. But again, it is another demonstration. Dennis is a good political talk show host, but Bible teacher, it's sort of like listening to Jordan Peterson. Brilliant guy, can learn a lot of stuff from him in some realms. But everything you get from Jordan Peterson is Jungian, whether it's psychology or theology. You are getting Carl Jung baked into virtually every sentence that he utters. And we need to be mindful of that. I, I, this is this is not to say don't listen to Dennis, but it is to encourage to listen to him with discretion because he clearly can't handle the Bible biblically. He's basically saying the Torah, in fact, he's not basically, I'm reading it. The Torah is addressing males who continue to appear male and often identify as such, but who publicly dress in female garb, as well as females who appear female and often even identify as such, but who publicly dress as male. But the text doesn't say that. It simply says, don't blur the genders. And if you're a dude, not because of how you smell, or if you do your eyebrows, or if you even have surgery done to your body, you're still male. And that in and of itself is blurring the distinction, because I would take the principle that is in this verse and I would bring it over the interpretive bridge into the New Testament, and I would expand the application greatly. Because God says in Deuteronomy, don't wear women's clothes if you're a man, don't wear man's clothes if you're a woman, the principle would be God has distinct genders with distinct behaviors for each, with distinct external expressions for each. Don't blur all of those things. But somehow Dennis finds a little bit of a caveat. Here's what he says. To be clear, publicly blurring the distinction between man and woman is what prohibited is what is prohibited in that verse. On the other hand, an individual who identifies as a member of the other sex, transgender or transsexual, appears to be a member of that sex takes on a name associated with that sex, and dresses as a member of that sex is not necessarily blurring the distinction God made. Oh, oh, Dennis, Dennis, just read the verse, my friend. A woman must not put on man's apparel, nor shall a man wear women's clothing, for whoever does these things is abhorrent to the Lord your God. No exceptions. Don't do it. And I think that we could even, anything that blurs the distinction, anything that that confuses roles, God abhors it. Dennis concludes, how God regards an individual who is convinced he or she is living in the wrong body is not addressed here. I believe God has both standards that we never blur the male-field-male distinction and compassion for those individuals who did not identify with their biological sex, and so should we. If you are hoping to have an ally in the trans war that is being waged, I'm afraid don't look down the ranks expecting to see Dennis Prager. Bummer. Until tomorrow, go serve your king.